0: this episode of The Good Pop Culture Club is brought to you by HBO. The finalist for the 2020 HBO APA Visionary Short Film Competition has just been announced. HBO Visionaries will be celebrating its fourth class of emerging Asian and Pacific Islander American filmmakers on Friday, September 25th during the virtual Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival. Tune in at 5pm Pacific, 8pm Eastern by going to www.hbovisionaries.com to meet this year's visionaries, watch their films, and see some familiar faces. On the website, you can also find more information about the program and official rules if you're interested in the opportunity to participate in the 2021 HBO APA Visionaries competition and get your short film considered for HBO and HBO Max. Again, don't miss your chance to meet this year's HBO APA Visionaries by going to www.hblvisionaries.com on Friday, September 25th at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern. All three APA Visionary 2020 shorts will also be available to stream on HBO Max on Tuesday, September 29th. And now on to the show.
1: You're listening
2: to, whoa, hot
0: luck, and hey everyone, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. Uh, with me once again is self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Jew. How's it going, Jess?
1: <laughs> I'm like, I'm like a you know when you see like a dried crab on the beach. Because like it didn't get back home in time. I'm, I'm like a metaphorical dried crab. Oh, that's very sad. It's sad times right now, guys. I don't know what to tell you. This
0: past week has been a doozy. Um, a lot of important <sighs> people have passed away. Um, fires are still burning in our backyard. And there was an earthquake last week.
1: I did miss the earthquake. So I feel very like
2: not cool. Well, it, uh, my thing is also like my family's in Houston, so we're constantly texting back and forth. They're like, "Are you in the path of fire?" I'm like, "No." How about you in the floods and the hurricane? And so, literally every other <laughs> week, it's like th- that same text.
0: Oh, wait, just you? Oh, you were in Vegas this weekend? Yeah,
2: I was Vegas. in Vegas, and I woke
1: up. I was taking a nap during the earthquake time, and then I woke up, and like everyone was talking about the earthquake. I felt a little like FOMO. <laughs> um, it was also I. I guess the epicenter was like less than two miles from my house. Yeah, it's
0: about three miles from my house. So it's very, yeah.
2: So, how was that? Like it being so close? Because usually, from what I hear, if you're near to the epicenter, things bounce up and down. But if you're far away, things swing back and forth.
0: Well, no, those are, there are two different types of earthquakes. There's the type Mm -hmm. that goes up and down and the types that sway, right? Just depends on how the um, tectonic plates um, are shifting. um, Yeah, shifting, Mm. right? So, this was more of a, this was more of a swing earthquake. I don't think it was an up and down earthquake. Okay. It actually wasn't that bad. It's so yeah. like, like
1: 6. right?
0: It's like 4.6. Um, And it lasted like 10 seconds. So that was the scary part because it lasted a long time. It was pretty long, long. yeah. But in terms of like, because I lived through the, both the Whittier and the um, the Northridge earthquakes. And those were Ooh. way worse. Oh
2: my God, you're so old. Wait, <laughs> how big was the Whittier one? I, I know about the Northridge one. I want to say it was like 6 something it was pretty when big. when was that
0: that was i think late 80s northridge was 92 right northridge was early 90s northridge yeah, was yeah. 92
1: yeah, yeah 93 um and then whittier i know like i learned that Whittier's on a fault line
2: mm-hmm.
1: um mm. which is why it's the same the the it's the same fault that caused the whittier earthquake in 87 that caused this most recent one yeah So, apparently, it's also, like, the one where all the skyscrapers are built on top of. So, cool, guys. (laughs) Good
2: job. Civic planning. I
0: mean, as a California native, (laughs) it wasn't the worst earthquake I've experienced. Um, And it definitely wasn't the most damaging. Because I remember the Northridge one, like, shit fell from, like, everywhere in my house.
2: Yeah. And didn't we have, two like, two scary, really scary ones last year? Like, in a row, like, the... um, The aftershock was bigger than the first one. Mm -hmm. I also missed both of those earthquakes because I was in my
1: car. So that's a very L.A. thing to miss an earthquake because you're stuck driving in traffic somewhere.
0: Let me tell you about missing earthquakes. Um, (laughs) So when I first moved to D.C. for grad school, it was in 2011. Um, So that was the year there was a big earthquake in D.C. that damaged the Washington Monument. During the earthquake, I was doing a ropes course. So I was climbing a tower. So all of a sudden the tower started shaking. And I thought some asshole up top was like shaking the tower I was like just a mess with people. So I kept climbing and climbing and I got to the top. And then I realized everyone below was yelling at me to get down from the tower.
1: <laughs> so apparently
0: there was an earthquake. And I was like, oh I <laughs> like I had no idea. And I was like, well, you know, I'm from California. These things happen.
1: I did have an earthquake that interrupted a summer school trigonometry final. And it was like literally the last day of summer school. And there's like policies if it's over a certain magnitude, you have to evacuate and they have to check the buildings. So, like, it's literally, it was great. It was like so clutch. So, they just gave everyone like an A for the final. I was like, was it the Jaime Escalante
0: Summer Program at ELAC?
1: No, it was the Alhambra School District Summer Uh, School, which it was very not exciting.
0: Also joining us, sorry, I forgot to introduce our second co-host, um, Culture Editor Han Wen. What's up? Han?
2: Ooh, hi.
0: How was this earthquake experience for you? You've been through a couple, right?
2: I've been through quite a few. Uh, it's not the biggest one. I am. I. I, di- I do believe the bigger ones more recently were like last year, or was it two years ago? I can't remember. They're all blurred together for to me. Um, there was another big one like earlier in the early two thousands, I believe, when I was living here. Mm -hmm. um that was actually kind of dramatic but um no this one i actually tried to get to bed early so (laughs) i was asleep and then rude it woke me up woke my cat up um but and you know i have to reassure her because she she was under my bed and um but after a while i was like well obviously i need to like read twitter now so um (laughs) But, you know, you know, it's okay when even the cat is like, oh, I guess I'll get back into my cat tower because nothing's happening. That's true. So, yeah. It was probably one of the least dramatic ones, I feel, without it being like a three, you know?
0: Now, do you know general earthquake safety procedure? Because just and I, we went through drills in school because we live in earthquake country. Oh, no. But you so grew, we, you grew up in hurricane country, so it's different,
2: Yeah. Right? So we had so-called disaster drills at school and honestly I don't know if those do any good at all. Like it was like lining up and crouching in the hallways. And sometimes if you mm. didn't have a a wall to put your head by, you had put your head by someone's butt. And, <laughs> what? Yeah. What? Think about it like like parked cars and then how they're trying to stack them deep. So it's kind of like that. Um I so I really don't know if any of that stuff would but I do I have like read up enough about like earthquake safety because um obviously it's it's more dramatic like the hurricanes like after a while you don't there's not much you can do you know you're either protected or you're not so here like even though some p- people were saying like i've heard many differing things like some people were like get in the doorway because that's the strongest part of the structure and other people were like get under a desk and then the last thing you know i've seen is go in the safety triangle so go next to the piece of furniture that has a high back or a high, you know, <laughs> profile, because the things fall and then they like kind of fall away from it. Yeah. So I yeah, mean, so the th-
0: general concept <laughs> behind all of the strategies, which they're all mm-hmm. valid strategies, is when earthquakes happen, shit falls on you, so you need to get yeah. under something yes. so it doesn't. So like, yeah. that's you know, the
2: most dangerous.
1: Yeah. Though My- I feel like they've changed stuff. I I, I don't think the doorway thing is yeah. true anymore.
2: Uh, also. How many of us can I, I – and I have to put my hand down – has actually earthquake-proofed your stuff, like your tall cabinets and your f- pictures and stuff? I know I should, and I just haven't. Oh,
0: no. We're native I, Californians. We we live fatalistically. It's, yes, it, happens yeah, happens. it happens Well, well happens. I feel bad
2: because I was just like, well – Maybe that's why I haven't put my pictures up. But um, like for tall furniture, I'm like, well, if I put other shorter furniture next to it, you know, maybe. But I always just kind of worry because I was like, well, my cats, those are the ones that I have to be afraid. But, you know, honestly, they're fast enough. They'll probably just run underneath a piece of furniture. So, I don't know. I mean, They used to bring this like truck
1: thing with a fake house and they would like load you this is very California they would like load you class homeroom by homeroom and they would like load you into this fake house that shook to like show you what being (laughs) in an earthquake was like and honestly you're just like
2: that's not bad yeah because (laughs) they can't really make it violent like they can't really scare you like that but uh, uh, I mean
0: if there's one thing that I am thinking about is I should really make a bug-out bag just in case. Right? Cuz that's something well, I do not have.
2: I have plenty of those because I think also last year was also a really bad fire year, so I have mm. like a bag for my cats. I have um I have a backpack in my car. But like if things like for example if I were in the one of the possible evacuation zones for fire, I would have an actual like rolly bag packed, but like right now I don't, but I did one year when I was, you know, like when the smoke was ridiculous. Um, Yeah. But yeah. So I, I I think I'm okay there. Honestly, the best possible scenario is if like anything bad happens, if my house is fine, then like I can stay there. But yeah,
0: I'm kind of glad I'm not living in like a complex or going to the Mm -hmm. office um, these days because that's kind of the worst place to be during an earthquake is if you're in, a place where you're like not on the ground floor, you know. But
1: those are like built to. It's freaky and seems counterintuitive, but they're built to move so they don't crumble in an earthquake. That's True. Didn't you do like the sixth grade like earth like physics test where you had to make a building and they shake it like earthquake? I don't think test you did it that. and oh, maybe I don't that remember. was just. No. I think I failed mine. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember building a mission. When they taught us all about, you know, Spanish colonialism When they lied to grade. you
1: about Spanish colonialism, <laughs> Bringing civilization Spanish
0: to the Tongva people.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, when the San Gabriel mission burned down a few months ago, I wasn't sad.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad everyone's doing okay. Um, the fire seems to be moving away from us. It's still huge, the Bobcat Fire, which is, like Jess said, way too cute a name for like, as devastating a fire as this is.
1: Yeah, I think it's like the second largest fire in L.A. County history at this point. Um, So it's not looking great. Mm. Um, But, I mean, we're safe because as we've talked about before, there are several rich suburbs between us and the fire. (laughs) So they're probably not going to let it burn through. But, mm, yeah, it's just sad. Yeah. And happy fire season, everyone.
0: Oh, boy. It's times like these where um, it really helps to have some good pop. To get us through the fire season. Um, On today's episode, we're talking all about Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, which came out, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? Two Um,
2: weeks, I think. Yeah.
0: It's just the latest, um, I guess the finale of the Bill and Ted trilogy that we never knew we needed or wanted, (laughs) but happened anyways. And, you know, I'm glad to have a little bit of like fun and goofy Keanu Reeves um, to help breakthrough the day
2: yeah i think it's kind of like there's a lot of this sort of nostalgia stuff going on because that was um even though the actual times were not necessarily as innocent the uh the the media was (laughs) so (laughs) so this trilogy especially was about like simpler times but also simple
0: people and simple joys Uh, Yeah, we'll talk all about that movie, about Keanu Reeves, and time travel after the break. But um, before we get to that, let's find out what uh, pop culture has been getting us through the week. Uh, Jess, what's popping?
1: Okay, so I finally bit the bullet, and I got HBO Max. Oh, congratulations. uh, With every intention.
0: intention. Wait, where where, where are you watching it?
1: just my computer oh. i watch everything on my computer i don't have a fa- i i uh, okay like confession booth time guys i don't know what a smart tv really is like i actually it's don't so know convenient. how it works We will explain i don't know it to and i don't yeah you could do offline but like yeah. i've always lived with people or like my parents still buy cable like i just i don't care i watch everything <laughs> on my laptop and i'm fine with it um but i finally bit the bullet and got HBO max with every intention to watch like prestige TV, like check out Secession, check out I May Destroy You, you know, finally watch Insecure, like all these things I just have not done because I don't have H. I didn't have HBO and uh, I, you know, like it's at this point like I can't even fake it anymore because I work, you know, with a bunch of writers and industry people and like I have to be able, to, like everyone fucking loves Secession, I'm like why? I don't know, let me figure this out
0: we should talk about but Succession all, once
1: you watch it. Oh, no. <laughs> but all I have been watching is The Great Pottery Throwdown, which is yeah, go ahead. <laughs> on HBO Max. I think they like literally just acquired and released it on Friday. It is basically Great British Bake Off with pottery. <laughs> it's a... BBC production reality show, and it is 1000% more awkwardly sexual. <laughs> like, imagine Wait. your really weird, balding uncle Jim and making weird sexual innuendos about like clay and throwing pottery, which is like inherently phallic. If you know anyone's seen ghosts, I was about to say, you have to pay tribute to ghosts, but it's like so weird, especially like British people. Like, British people don't talk about sex and like. The
2: amount of sexual discussion. I mean, discussion Mary Berry on Bake Off and Paul Hollywood. Wasn't there a lot of innuendo there? Yeah. Oh, this is no, not even innuendo
1: anymore. They're just like, <laughs> yes, it's very sexual. Um, It's like do they super use the low word phallic? budget. <laughs> I don't know if they use the word phallic, but the word sex was definitely used. <laughs> it, so do they um, talk about
2: the slip a lot? They talk about the
1: slip. They talk about pulling handles. Mm. They talk about... Um, oh, man. Uh, and and The Judge. The Judge, you know, in the great tradition of these British shows, there is a Paul Hollywood-like character. He looks like a janky Paul Hollywood. I don't... I missed his name, so I call him Dave Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave Burbank wears a really intense lapel... Like, thick, 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 thickety-thick lapel suits. And he... <laughs> this is actually pretty wholesome. He cries when he looks at some of these ceramics because he's just so moved by the artistry and i'm just like this show's a wild and i love it um one guy has like dreadlocks it's like what like one white guy has dreadlocks on the first in the oh, first no. season it's just like it's all great it's everything i want and love the great british bake-off just started its 2020 season so but so this has i like binge watched the entire season in this first weekend and it's it's great. I would highly recommend it if you like any of these like nice British
2: reality shows about crafts or hobbies. Okay. So I'm totally down for this. I still want to get a smart device that will play HBO Max first, but I do have to say, if you're down for this, I think by the end of the week or Thursday, there is a dog grooming competition show coming up called yes hot dog yes i'm already in Um, is it british i don't know if it's british i i almost usually think dog competitions aren't like they're american but i could be wrong i I just don't like the amount of like
1: i don't like american reality or like alternative competitions because they're just so like loud and annoying like i i know holy moly's like a thing and there's like a lot of these like game reality shows but i'm like it's just really loud, and everyone talks really loud. I just want nice British people making bowls. They, they, they. Um. Okay. okay. They, they compete in like the historic, like area in England where the ceramics industry used to be. And I'm like, sure. Like I'm learning. I wanna, I wanna throw some pottery now. <laughs> I just like you know. I like calm. It, it's really just the British ones. They're calming. They're very low stakes, but very high stakes at the same time. And it's like, it's like the production values are so low, it's charming. <laughs> and that's what I want. And they're all really nice to each other. They're very supportive. And got some characters, right? You need a good mix of characters. And you need like someone who has like an interesting, like real life job. You need someone be who you would not expect to be into like this craft, like a ex army vet or something. You need someone who's like a mom and just like, you know, like she's she's totally amateur and self taught. Like it's it's just it's like the typecast for the British reality TV show competitions and I want them. And when you miss one of those, you can tell like the energy's off. Like the last season of Great British Bake Off didn't have enough old people in it, like pensioners and it totally you totally felt it.
2: The next season is starting soon. It starts today.
0: Is it play- in England? Is it simulcasting here or
2: N- no? Netflix gets it um, one week later, is it?
0: Oh,
1: when there's a will, there's a way.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm okay to wait. I just need to make sure not to get spoiled. Yeah. Okay. I will not spoil. I
1: promise <laughs> not. But what is, but I do want to know what have you been watching? What's popping with me? Yeah,
2: um, not watching. I've been reading. So last week was my, quote unquote, vacation where I was supposed to do a lot of getting in nature and hiking. And then all of our fires and smoke meant that I couldn't go outside. So um, I still wanted to kind of stay away from screens a lot. Like I, the first day I did actually watch some TV shows and I was like, oh, this feels like work. So instead, I decided to get my uh, Libby app, you know, fired up. And not only did I uh, find my audiobooks, but I also got just a whole bunch of like novels and I tore through them. Um, and I finally found another rom-com author that I like. Um, her name is Alicia Rye. And um, she has a whole bunch of novels, but I usually... St- kind of veer away from the one with the smoky sort of backgrounds and stuff. And I like the <laughs> ones where the covers are like, uh, cartoon drawings. So <laughs> yeah, like uh,
1: Illustrations. Yeah.
2: Right. So, and they're colorful and they're just less kind of like embarrassing, I guess, even though it's, <laughs> you could, you can like read it in public and like not right. probably get away with it. <laughs> yeah. It's, and but you know, it's a digital book. I don't know why I care, but <laughs> so it's not like anyone can see it, but yeah. Um, so this series, it's a trilogy so far, but I have there's only two books out um, like the first, and what I love about it is that she takes people of all different backgrounds for her um, characters, because I think she is Indian American, maybe, I think, unless she's Pakistani American, I forgot, um, which is not a good thing to not know. But um, so like the first book called The Right Swipe is about um, has a black um, dating app creator. Um, and she created one called Crush. I guess it's kind of like Bumble. Um, and uh, she had like a one night stand with a Samoan ex football player. Um, and all of a sudden they run into each other again. So that's good. But you know what I also like about these books is that each of the characters usually has something significantly in their background that plays a big part of like, their romance um, as far as, like, the issues they have and how they have to work through them. So it's not, like, just... I I hate to say it like I don't mind hot people in my books but I hate the books where everything is just like and they had the perfect breasts and he's just hot and you know (laughs) I I get really bored because I'm like let me like the characters first before like I'm attracted to them just because you know the abs or whatever because they're just characters in books so you know I'm very highly suggestible if you describe a very cool person um the second book has like um, the, the, the lady is, uh, half Thai and half white and she's rich and she's an investor and she used to be a former model and she, but she has anxieties about getting out in the world cause she once had, was kidnapped. And so she, <laughs> right. And then, so she has a crush on her bodyguard who is, um, Pakistani and, uh, Latinx, So there's, like, lots of hotness going there. They both have trauma um, that they have to get over. Um, And then the next book I'm very excited about, it's not coming out till 2021, though, so I'm kind of pissed, Um, but it sounds already great because they gave, like, a little, you know, excerpt to tease you, and um, it's a, uh, I believe she's Muslim, um, beauty influencer called Gia Ahmed, and she, like, moves to L.A., and she's been, like, you know, Messaging with this Bollywood star called Dev Dixit. And then so she actually shows up like, hey, surprise, I'm at one of your parties. And he doesn't know her. And so she realized she got catfished. Um, So there's all sorts of really fun things. I think like this person, like this author, like does a really good job creating these characters, but also just interesting plots that you don't see elsewhere. So I highly recommend that. Now. Is this enough for me to delve into her like, you know, uh, more smoldering title cover books? I don't know, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're gonna go halfway, you might as well dig into. (laughs) You might as well do, yeah,
2: yeah. Mm -hmm, (laughs) I mean, these were already kind of you know like they 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 they're they're fairly graphic books, you know. Uh So it's just you know, but despite illustrations, you know, how much
1: quivering
0: was there? (laughs)
2: It's a little down and dirty.
0: As a relative rom novel noob, um, are there like different levels of like, like are there oh, certain yeah. books that are just Total- straight up? Oh
2: yeah, totally, like, totally. Oh yeah. What
0: is the difference? Just like the the ratio of story to like sexy scenes or like,
2: and um, how explicit it gets? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like how like some of them. Um, Just allude to, like, they do the cutaway and you see curtains and stuff like that, like how you would in a movie. So that's kind of like the lowest level kind of sweet. I mean, there are also very, some very religious romance novels that have just like a kiss in the hand. But, um, and then there are the ones that you really get into anatomy. And I don't read the first kind. Um, (laughs) Right, right. Definitely read. The, the second though. The best, I think the best one out recently I read that didn't go too graphic, and I was kind of surprised that I liked it was uh uh I think it was a Scottish author, which was interesting because one of her characters is half black, and that's why I read it. And I thought and I really liked that one too. But um yeah, I was surprised I liked it despite the lack of actual graphic sex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> surprised. Great <laughs>
2: it's good characterization i was like okay see this is why i'm saying like you can get me but they did talk about like they had sex all weekend long so Mm.
1: oh no i need like the i need like the play-by-play to (laughs) to be happy and um you'd be amazed how many different words or synonyms there are in the english language for a um for a male penis
2: Yes, uh, it's quite kind of impressive. Um, it's kind of impressive. Yeah, it's the bodice rippers that are very much into the synonyms, um, but and so I read some of those too, and they were they were fine. I I think for me it's like if you can give me the really great sex scene. And good writing and storytelling, then that's great. But sometimes I notice they're they're they are mutually exclusive. Um, so that's why I, I I have to say like I'm kind of excited when like they can combine the two. So I do say at least this series was pretty good with that. But there's a lot more story ratio definitely than sex. All right. And um, so clearly, Marvin, <laughs> you're going to continue <laughs> this. <laughs> What's popping with you?
0: All right. So I've been. Continuing my um, catching up of pop culture that I missed um, during the period of my late 20s, early 30s when I was busy with um, work and grad school. And so uh, this past week, I finally picked up and played um, the visual novel Steinsgate, Gate, which uh, came out in 2009. By Chimau Studios, um, it's a part of the Science Adventure series, which is a uh, series of visual novel adventure games that tell stories that revolve around science fiction concepts like time travel and artificial intelligence and robotics and things like that. This story in particular, Steins Gate, um, is one of their most popular ones. Um, it spawned a ton of spin-off content, including an anime, a movie, uh, a ton of novels. And so it's been on my two playlists for a long time. And again, for those of you who aren't familiar with visual novels, um, they're essentially narrative stories told in game form. So imagine a game that's mostly uh, just a one long cutscene. Uh, where you get to make some white choices along the way. So, so Steinsgate, like I said, um, came out 10 years ago, and it's a story about a group of college kids who accidentally invent a time machine that can send uh, text messages and emails to the past uh, when trying to put together a remote-controlled microwave. <laughs> Speaking of time travel, uh, which... I guess serendipitously um, also relates to our feature topic this week. Hmm. And so the first part of the story is all about them experimenting with their time machine and and letting their friends send messages to the past, which ends up creating some minor changes to the timeline. But then halfway through the story, uh, it takes a turn. And I guess this is something that's common in all of the science adventure stories where it starts off lighthearted and then it veers into sci-fi psychological thriller territory. Um, And in the case of Science Gate, uh, at some point it becomes a thriller where basically the consequences of time travel gets thrown in the character's faces and they have to deal with things like the chains of causality, um, the butterfly effect uh, convergence, multiple world theories, um, time loops and paradoxes. And as someone who wasn't familiar with the series or the franchise um, at all, it was really exciting to um, experience this for the first time. It definitely gave me the same vibes as um, Netflix's Dark, which is another great uh, time travel series that we've talked about on this podcast, which was all about challenging fate and determinism. And it's no wonder that it's such a beloved um, entry in the series and in i guess the fandom in general so if any of that sounds interesting to you uh, i definitely recommend checking it out um, you can find the story in a ton of different forms these days um, not just the visual novel but also there's an anime adaptation um, that's pretty good that's available on Crunchyroll right now as well if you don't have the time to play a whole visual novel um, the game does um, take about 10 to 12 hours for one playthrough and there are multiple endings um, but because it's a visual novel the Spec requirements are actually pretty light. So so you should be able to play it um, on any computer. And it's also available on Switch and all consoles as well. I think <laughs> compared to the story that Bill and Ted told, this is much more like serious. <laughs> How um... dare
2: you? <laughs> um, Wait, what's the name of it again?
0: It's called Steins Gate.
2: Okay, okay. I, I I think he convinced me to finally check out um a visual novel because like the, the other ones weren't. Uh, not uh, interesting but it was more of like i was so confused like there was just too much going on um but yeah and i am a dark fan so (laughs) we will get to that
0: (laughs) but yeah so that's that's what's popping with me um i really enjoyed it and i recommend it to anyone who's might be interested in what what i just talked about (laughs) let's take a quick break and when we come back let's talk all about bill and ted and Keanu. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, we're here to, to talk about the latest entry in the Bill and Ted series, Bill and Ted Face the Music, starring Alex Winters and Keanu Reeves. Um, it came out just a couple of weeks ago, um, but I think we've been hearing about it for like the last year. This is a film that kind of came out of the keanu right? I feel like <laughs> the resurgence of Keanu Reeves built this into uh, existence
2: yes yeah I mean. it's not like he ever went away but you are right that there was more of a renaissance in that i think everyone started appreciating him and he started getting a lo- like a lot of big titles um all of a sudden
1: i also think this is a low resurgence within the keanu sense of keanu reeves as a comedic actor which is actually wonderful um <laughs> you know between like always be my maybe his cameo and always be my maybe and you know just like the bill and ted series he is very funny um which i think is brought unintentionally into some one of more of his dramatic roles but i think i i love i think it's very i like to give respect to comedic actors people who can like do that because a lot of comedic actors can be great dramatic actors but not necessarily the other way around and I don't think they get enough kind of respect for that talent.
2: Agreed. Um, Comedy takes timing and it kind of takes sort of like a confidence in yourself because you do have to look goofy a lot of times. So I I feel like he is a natural comedian. Yeah.
1: Goofy without looking like you're trying too hard (laughs) because that's cringy, right? Mm -hmm. And he is just, I think, as a person so naturally inclined to that type of work um and i just think you know obviously his most famous roles have been like the matrix and now the john wick series which are very you know serious action films though i watched john wick recently too and man all i can say is men are so dramatic (laughs) Um, this is this is a common thread anytime i watch like a well-beloved action movie it's like Men are just so extra. Overreact much? Over I mean, I, it's not we're not even talking about the dog thing, but like just so so many feelings. But yes, we could talk about that <laughs> later. Uh but we love Keanu. He is hopefully you mean maybe you should knock on wood. is an unproblematic fave. Yeah.
2: So yeah. far. Such a good dude. So far. And, and may he ever continue <laughs> to be. Uh
1: yes. And and just loving Loving the, uh, loving the flowers he is getting while he is with us, yeah, shall I say. I, I'm I do sure, also,
2: Go
0: ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying, um, I'm sure we'll talk, we're going to talk more about Keanu, um, later on, but, uh, let's touch on the film first, um, before <laughs> we, like, dive into, because I know we all, we're all here to talk about Keanu, but, um... What did we think about Bill and Ted Face the Music? I guess first off, like, what is your individual experiences with the Bill and Ted franchise? Because I remember watching the first movie. I barely remember watching the second movie. But I remember watching the cartoon series as a kid. I think that was my like entrance into the Bill and Ted canon.
2: Yeah. um, As a resident old person, um, I definitely watched Bill and Ted 1 a lot. (laughs) And to the point where even in one of my summer schools because you know I was trying to get ahead um i think the our teacher was canadian and didn't know much and so the students convinced this is a history teacher convinced him that this was a historical movie um and well, yeah. so he showed it and it, you know it kind of is in a very very <laughs> light way um but yeah and so so there's that but yeah bogus journey number 2 was fine i i think I remember watching and being like, well, I like seeing Bill and Ted again and I like the trappings of time travel, but I seem to remember them just trying too hard, like stuffing it over stuffing it with things and, and death had too big of a part, you know, for me. <laughs> so, um, so as when it comes, what about you, Jess, as being the resident young person?
1: <laughs> I have zero relationship to Bill and Ted. I actually didn't even really know what the movie was about before. I think, conversations about the third one coming out started to happen um so did it, you it's it's watch it's... the first two then before this no i have not seen the f- oh. i saw the first one i i for this podcast i watched the first
2: one
0: okay. the first it one is, is the def- one you should watch. that's
2: the only first. one you need to watch yeah
1: because that's
0: it's that, definitely... that's where you get most of the characterizations that's where you get socrates and mm-hmm. you know all socrates
2: the was
1: that... great yeah i mean it's definitely a product of its time it's not I wish it was it was funny enough. I wish it was a little bit smarter. Um and it definitely has those weird like 80s polit like sexual politics that has not aged well. Like the whole like stepmom is like their classmate super fucking weird.
0: Oh, they went all the way though in the third one mm-hmm. with that one.
1: Uh yeah, and and I I just I mean, I get I I totally get why it struck a cultural chord. It is The idea in itself is, like, pretty, it's both funny, but also, like, so simplistic that it's, it's like a sketch comedy film, like, it's like a sketch comedy piece. This should have been, like, a five-minute sketch at UCB, (laughs) you know, but they turned it into a 90-minute movie, and it really hangs on the charm of Keanu Reeves, Alex Winters, and then this weird, you know, in the original one, this weird like, dichotomy of George Carlin, (laughs) which I did not even realize was George Carlin. He was so great, yeah. He was great. I've I've never, I couldn't even recognize him.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's a good point you make because, like, I remember even when it came out, you know, um, all the reviews were really bad because it's a goofy movie, right? And it was without the benefit of what you were saying, like, so many Saturday Night Live characters launched into into their own movies, but you kind of knew what you were getting there right like literally it's characters from a sketch so what would possibly could the movie be whereas these were already in the movie they, they were not from a sketch so people yeah. were just like why are they so dumb um <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, but you know i do it, i mean we gotta give i think we gotta give this movie and those characters it's due of the you know in the legacy of himbos yeah bill and ted <laughs> Definite the like original you know himbos. icons in yeah. the himbo
2: and they're Rushmore, uh, and they're very positive, sweet guys too. They're not like himbos in a machismo sort of way, you know. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm I'm you know watching the the original one. It was like you know these are like very nice, sweet guys who just want to make music. Like they're bad at school, but so what? Like honestly, let's be real. History, world history, is probably the most useless subject of. <laughs> The like general education courses because everyone forgets that shit anyways. Um and there's there's definitely some really funny jokes, like the so so, so- socrates. socrates. Socrates was hilarious. And then the oh yeah, uh when they when he's trying to make list all the names, he's like, Oh, that's Bob Genghis Khan. Like, <laughs> it's just so dumb. It just it just never quite gets to that level of like very like strat it kind of stays in dumb too long for my personal preference like it never really reaches like kind of the subversiveness of like a mel brooks or even like an airplane you know um so but i mean i can't i'm not mad i had a good time (laughs) both both movies
0: yeah i mean before i knew raging waters was was in san dimas i knew bill and ted (laughs) lived in san dimas like yes
1: i do love the san dimas love Like that was very as a Southern California person and the reference to the number of water slides, because, of course, as we all know, or any like L.A. native will tell you, San Dimas is the home of Raging Waters, the number one water park that you uh, that was the both the the site of all your puberty nightmares and hopes. I'm sad I've never made it to Raging Waters. Oh, you're not missing much. Yeah, it's, okay. I, 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 <laughs> it's I think pretty gross. T- okay, yeah. like number one, actually, they took out all the best rides, like water slides. Number two, anyone over the age of ten, you are very cognizant of how disgusting the concept <laughs> of a water park is. And number three, there was a lot of bees there. Oh, th- you know, do
0: what? you remember
2: the bees, Marvin? Yeah. In certain pools, I remember. So we had a water park in Houston called. Uh wait fame city well what was the water park called i can't remember now i mean water parks anyway. in general are just yeah they're gross, but, dirty but yeah <laughs> but you know what you can't beat a lazy river mm. i really enjoy those yeah that's fair
0: <laughs> so um so that brings us to bill and ted face the music the third um, film taking place i guess did it literally take place 25 years after bogus journey like was that
2: I didn't check the timing of it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. They did. Se- they did set it yeah. in 2018? eight. It is
1: set in twenty twenty. Oh, okay. the I think the the Bill and Ted Face the Music is set in like temporary world. Yeah, contemporary world.
0: <laughs> so my general impressions, like I enjoyed the movie. I admit that it's not the greatest thing ever, and I wouldn't like wholeheartedly recommend it to you know everyone but i think as something light to watch it was really a lot of fun the concept of these two guys being in Arrested development for the last 25 years and not growing up is kind of outrageous but seeing keanu reeves just like playing Theodore logan was a lot of fun and you can tell he was having fun with it um even though i feel like a lot has been said about keanu's agelessness but they really made him look like a middle-aged man in this movie
2: Yeah, I felt like the stringy Ted Theodore Logan hair, it didn't go great. But that also meant um, something, the device they used that I thought was really fun was that in their time travels, they kept meeting their future selves, so their older selves. (laughs) And all of them were hilarious. And I think this is why when you get, when we were talking about Keanu Reeves being really good comedically, he got to really like let loose in those roles, and I think the various hats and wigs and prosthetics kind of let you forget that there was kind of that middle age thing going on. Um, so, it, honestly, regular Ted, like middle-aged Ted, was maybe my least favorite Ted in this movie, but all the other Teds were great. Um, but yeah, and and I felt like Alex Winter kind of seemed the same. <laughs> Which is yeah. weird. <laughs> I mean, he even dressed the same because even Keanu, I mean Ted, he uh, he dressed a little bit older. Like he didn't have a t-shirt; he had a button-up, right? <laughs> so... But I yeah. did like uh, their kids. Yeah.
0: Um. So I didn't realize Samara Weaving was in this one, or at least I forgot because I had just did you watched... think
1: it
2: was Margot Robbie? Well, I just watched.
0: Um... <laughs> yeah, because she is a Margot Robbie clone, I guess. But uh, I had just watched Hide and Seek,
2: except. Wasn't Samara Weaving the one who played the brunette?
0: But she wasn't a brunette; she was blonde.
2: She was blonde.
0: Yeah, that's Samara Weaving.
2: Mm, okay. The other daughter was Bridget. A brunette Yeah, okay. Bridget Lundy Payne. Yeah. Because I, you know what? I think they switched the names in the way I thought they were supposed to be named, and that's why I got confused.
0: Well, yeah, because. um, did
2: they name them after each yes.
0: other? Yes,
1: yes, exactly. That's very, very wholesome. Confusing. Like, let's, <laughs> but, yes, very, but it's it's, that's very in vain and also very wholesome. Again, the Himbles, right? Like, dumb as fuck guys, but like very sweet and like, you know, good
2: people at the end of the day.
0: With dumb as fuck daughters.
1: Dumb as no, f- I mean, but it's the daughters
2: j- weren't necessarily dumb, I don't think. So I think the
1: reason why we don't see those characters played by women or, you know, coded as feminine, because it's, like, scary when a woman's too dumb, because you're like, oh, someone's gonna hurt you. <laughs> right? Like, this is kind of a fucked up world we're living in. Like, when you see two dumb guys, you're like, oh, you're dumb, but, like, you'll make it out of this alive, which is why, like, <laughs> Bill and Ted, throughout their movies, is a good time. But if you saw, like, two, like, relatively not not very, like, kind-hearted but not bright women, like, going on an adventure, you're like, oh, no, babies, like, you you just are so stressed because you want to protect them because the world is terrible. Yeah, I'm
2: trying mm. to think of the probably Romeo and Michelle's would be of that ilk, and yet they're not they're not all the way dumb. They're more of like kind of airheady, more right? And, yeah, and and they're grown women, and so they're it's... not actually going through time or anything very dangerous. Yes. You
1: know? <laughs> they're going back to Arizona, <laughs> so it's fine, you know. So I do be think okay. that's an interesting thing. It's You know, I I was once told by a writer friend that or an exec, uh, I knew that, you know, most scary movies we see have female leads because the audience is more scared for a woman than they would be for a man.
2: I think there's also proportionally more women in the audience. Isn't that true? And that's why a lot of these, besides it being the female lead, that a lot of the stories are, you know, of course, metaphors for the things that women go through. So... Um, yeah. definitely the the last invisible man was
0: a good <laughs> but what was interesting yeah. about um having I, I thought it was really smart to have like the next generation of Bill and Ted who are also Bill and Ted and they go on their own adventure and like some might say this is a movie is actually about little Bill and little Ted's adventure Billy and thea's adventure uh, as opposed to their father's adventure because um overall the dads don't really do anything besides like freak out.
2: Yeah, well, I think it was smart for them to have a youthful element, right? Um, To do the same, the Little Bill and Little Ted type of things that they did in the past, which was gathering historical figures for a, a purpose. And then the original OG Bill and Ted's, they had their own adventure going into the future, doing their own things, which is when I got like my... You know, the exciting stuff where they got to play older versions of themselves with prosthetic pot bellies and um, muscles (laughs) and all that type of stuff. Like the prison Bill and Ted's were so fun. Um, But I also like the elderly, like nursing home Bill and Ted's. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and I think that was smart, maybe because there has to be a little bit of a limberness to to jaunt through time and like grab people. and I don't know, I, I think it kept it fresh. But uh, what do you think about... Okay, so like the Little Bill and Little Ted decide to recruit musicians so that way they can make the ultimate band. What do you think about the musicians that they grabbed?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, it's... um. I thought they were fine. Um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm not
1: the biggest like music buff, so I was like, you know, you need recognizable, but a little bit of flavor in there to to make the dynamic interesting, you know. So who would be like the funniest people to put together?
0: I mean, kind of. (laughs) I mean, I liked that. I liked how it mirrored the original movie where. All of the people that they recruited were inexplicably okay with being kidnapped and taken through time. <laughs> you know, um, it was it was a really good like you know in, in in the original they kidnapped a bunch of historical figures to write their history paper right and and this one is kind of the same thing. Um, Billy and Thea want to help their fathers complete this assignment, so they go on and collect people to create the ultimate band. Um, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was fun. It was, it was cool to see like, you know, like Mozart jam with Jimi Hendrix, you know, that those scenes are really fun. Um, I thought, you know, the final twist and we're not going to give the way, but you can see it coming a mile away. I mean, the moment they name the the moment you realize that the daughters are named after their fathers, like that's when it clicked for me. Um, but, um, I think, I don't know. I liked how it was a mirror of the original movie. Um, because oh. I think, because yeah, that's how so you like keep the it, franchise
1: you know? alive. Yeah. So they could do like another
2: trilogy with Billy and Thea now, you know, <laughs> who, who knows what's next. You know who I also actually like? Because we did see Death again, but I thought another breakout character was the robot Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> who, who had sort of yeah. a, a, an awakening and he realized he, he wasn't he's more than just a robot, but he's like a person <laughs> and just throughout the whole thing. It was just like, I, I mean, I don't want to ruin too many things, but it's just such a weird take on where you think he's going to be, what he's going to be, and then where he ends up. So. It was,
1: yeah, it's yeah. also like a nice callback to other time travel movies, right? Like the Terminator <laughs> or yeah. I mean, Terminator, obviously. And it, it, this movie does fun to, you know, have some fun Easter eggs about time travel and time travel tropes. And, you know, the fact that they travel in an American phone booth, which now would be very, which actually like is very out of place anywhere you go now, Um you know, it's obviously a callback to Doctor Who and the British phone box, and the TARDIS. So you know, there's like fun little Easter eggs, and it, it's, it's, it's not going to win any Oscars. You know, it's not going to ask deep philosophical questions about humanity and the nature of time. Um, but you get to see Keanu being <laughs> a little daddy, and you know, really having fun in this role. Yeah, and it, it's a good time.
0: I mean, I feel like. So I've only watched this movie once. So I haven't been able to go in and kind of think about all the time. travel. Like I want to say there probably is an internal logic to the time travel concepts within this movie. Um, I liked how they had Kid Cudi as like the resident expert on time <laughs> travel mechanics and tropes. Um, but there were a lot of things that like just didn't make sense. Right, And, you know, Bill and Ted, it's they're not a series where they're you know they're not like steins gate or or dark where they're trying to like take time travel seriously um uh, because the mere fact that they interact with each other would like create all sorts of paradoxes, you know, Um, in like, you know, hypothetical quantum, you know.
1: Here's my question. When you watch time travel movies or TV shows, regardless of genre, do you care about the science? Because I don't care. (laughs) Like, I don't care if it doesn't make sense. I was like, I just want the, like, what it does, what it means emotionally, what, how the characters deal with it. Like, that is what I'm
2: focused on. But I know some people are very nitpicky with like the science of time travel. I, You know what? For me, it's like with vampires or zombies or whatever is whatever rules you establish for that particular world, then just follow it. So here they're consistent because nothing really makes sense. Um, (laughs) But like in Dark, you know, they do set up paradoxes and they actually explain the bootstrap paradox very clearly. So that way we know why things don't make sense. Um, And yeah. And so like like as long as people are consistent within the franchise, then I'm good.
0: Yeah, because there's so there's a sequence in the movie where Bill and Ted keeps traveling further into the future to try to steal like the greatest song in the world from themselves. And the whole time I was thinking, well, if you're not there to write it, how will your future selves have it? Right. So um, obviously it's probably some sort of multiple worlds theory or whatever. But I mean, things like that where, you know, taking it seriously might just well detract from the fun of just watching Bill and Ted like deal with their future selves, including like a future buff version of themselves. (laughs) I guess to answer your question, just I do think about that stuff sometimes because I think that's half the fun of a time travel story is the unintended consequences of time travel, right? Like butterfly effect things changing, like small things changing, big things. And I think that's part of the drama of time travel is the unintended consequences of time travel. Um, which this movie does have. It did take it a lot less seriously, which you know, it's Bill and Ted. So yeah, it makes sense um that they would. Like the whole premise is never explained why reality is crashing down and why why things are being zapped out of place. Like that's those <laughs> things are never established. You just know something bad is happening, and unless Bill and Ted write the greatest song in the world, the universe will end. And those are the stakes, right? It's very like Saturday morning cartoon. Like the world's ending, you need to save it. Uh, don't worry about anything else. Um, I
1: mean, the band is called Wild Stallions with like three wise Marvin. <laughs> like it's that's
2: very eighties, <laughs> like, though, man. It's a it's great, so great name for yeah. a band.
1: I would love a. I would love like a touring t shirt of Wild well, Stallions. You
2: saw that? Um, uh, Bill had that t shirt on most of the movie, right? The double headed stallions t shirt, and I'm like, I want that. <laughs> Oh, come on, Target. Get on it. Get on it. Seriously, Target. Of all the t shirts that I don't want from you, like this is one yeah, I do. not need I don't need another Sriracha t shirt, please. <laughs> Give me a wild stallions t shirt.
0: Oh. Well, if anything, this movie gave us another entry into the Keanu sants um, which like Keanu Reeves is someone who's been typecast his entire career, I feel like, right? Um, mm-hmm.
1: No, I actually mm. think he has done a really interesting range yep. of work. Um, it's just the ones he, you know, the the big IP franchises he's known for, like The Matrix and John Wick, kind of overshadow everything now. But he was in like a uh, like a like a he was been in things like Point Break, you know, like like cop like 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 drama cop dramas like Speed and Point Break. He was in, um, he was in like
2: a very gentle. Like Jane Austen project, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he he did sh- some Shakespeare. He was in Dangerous Liaisons. Um, I remember watching him in Parenthood, uh, and then I also really remember like one of his best movies. I thought was My Own Private Idaho. Um, he mm. did a lot of indie films um, and yeah. has worked. Wasn't he, he was in the Dracula? Love it Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. He was a love interest to Diane Keaton in Something's Gotta Give.
2: Yeah. Uh, she should have definitely chosen Keanu over and uh, Jack Nicholson. And someone pointed this out, but that he's actually had a really great record of working with female directors. God, I love him. So, and like without <laughs> it even trying. So, I mean, I, I think that kind of shows that he has, has a range because... If you're just working with male directors, it's kinda of gonna be the same stuff over and over. Um, but uh yeah, I I, I really like that he's he kind of has the range of being in the really huge blockbustery action stuff, but then he's known for a lot of his comedic work too. Um, and his serious stuff. I I do like his um independent films.
1: Yeah, he's also done like these romantic dramas like um, you know, Lake House, Sweet November. Uh, With Charlize Theron. Did you see
2: the Paula Abdul video, Rush Rush? Oh, oh my God, he was. (laughs) That one was good. That one was good. Talk about romantic.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm flushing, Han. (laughs) Marvin's like, what the fuck? He's like, I don't know what's happening. Google, go to YouTube. (laughs) Watch Rush Rush. And, you know, he also has like this... He's done, like, voiceover work. He played the Tumbleweed in the Spongebob movie, you know, or, like... He was in the latest uh, Toy Story. He was in Toy Story. He just seems like a man who is just having a good time, flexing his clout to just do fun stuff. Uh, You know, just always be by maybe playing himself. Uh, And, you know, I respect
2: that. Yeah, I, I also just, like, when we're talking about it, he's, like, he's 56. And I feel like he's just had a longevity... Um, in his career, that not a lot of people have because he's been consistently working, and I think um, not a lot
0: of people expected, right? Because I remember right. back in the day, he was knocked on for a long time for being someone who, like, quote unquote, couldn't act or had the perception of someone who couldn't act, even I though guess, he was yeah. great and almost everything he does.
2: Uh, I do remember early on when I was watching his films and I'm like, he's really cute. But then I saw him like in Much Ado About Nothing and I was like, wow, that was painful. Um, but, uh, (laughs) But that didn't stop me from watching anything he did. And I realized that just maybe certain roles... Uh, maybe he wasn't prepared for or speaking in a Shakespearean fashion he wasn't maybe <laughs> the best for. Um and I, Oh well with yeah. with much do about nothing. I'm gonna say something. I'm just gonna say it. I don't think Kenneth Broughton is a good director. There's that too. Um but <laughs> pew, pew, shots fired <laughs> there's that too. But um yeah I just I just remember following his career a lot when uh when I was younger and I was just like I like him in this and not in that. So I remember was it this year or last year I kept thinking okay I need to start watching all of his stuff from the beginning um, and fill in all the gaps the Keanu Reeves gaps um, for pop culture that I have and so I think I'm going to start doing that because I've seen actually quite a lot of his films but uh,
0: he has some yeah. great roles I mean mm-hmm. I think the first time I ever saw him was Point Break and oh, yeah. granted like, he was the original like, like what Paul Walker did in Fast and Furious that was like Paul Walker couldn't be Paul Walker if it wasn't for Kendra Reeves as Johnny Utah, right?
1: Johnny Utah, what a great <laughs> Johnny name. Utah! I mean, it, Point Break is definitely the blueprint for a lot of you know action movies. Like Die Hard is, you know, it's like between Die Hard and Point Break. You know, action modern action movies typically live on the spectrum somewhere there. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to win an Oscar anytime soon, but he and he might be deaf, maybe more of a star than an actor, but he just. I think there's something inherently so charming about Keanu Reeves, and I think you can always work on the acting, and you can't teach someone how to be charming. Yeah. Like I don't think you can, like yeah, like I I think if you're not a charming person or like a good person, yeah, it just you can't. It's, I think that's harder to
2: train, and I think that's why he's good in his comedies because um, although I think he's great being a badass uh, in Matrix and John Wick, that probably requires less acting as far as like vocal facial and all that stuff. He has to just basically, you know, do the part and um, sort of not, you know, not break character, but with comedy, you really have to convey personality. And that's why I'm just, I'm still just so glowing from always be my baby, always be my maybe because like he contributed so much to that character. Um, And like, Honestly, the butt scoot for me is still one of my favorite parts of the whole movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, definitely um, watching Keanu Reeves be comedic was probably the highlight of watching Bill and Ted face the music. Um, I mean, overall, it's fine. You know, put it on for your friends. It'll be a fun time. But just like the joy of watching Keanu Reeves let loose, I think, is, is a lot of the charm in watching this film. Yeah, and asking
2: him with Alex Winter, I feel like I <laughs> like that that story of them being friends, you know, like in the movie being friends and kind of maintaining that friendship, but also them reuniting as friends on set, you know, and just revisiting that.
0: <laughs> yeah, as like like lifelong hetero buddies. Um, the scene where they have the group cut the group couple uh, marriage counseling session was. <laughs> was real good.
2: <laughs> I did enjoy that. Like, they like, how, how is it to be in that scene and they're each delivering these lines of like, no, no, no. Okay, I got it. I got it. <laughs> like, how long did that go? I would love to see outtakes.
0: Yeah. Any final thoughts on Bill and Ted Face the Music or Keanu Reeves?
2: I would... You know, I know a lot of people are against um, reviving franchises and whatever. I am not necessarily against them as long as they're done with the right sort of spirit. Um, So I do I, I do support like Face the Music as far as revisiting this franchise and kind of closing the door on it. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing some other things that he's done have a sequel. You know, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what it would be Point Break. 2. what sequel do you want? I mean, oh point, my God, if so, they did a Point, Break
0: I mean, they they redid Point Break already yeah. without Al Reeves. But was, you know,
2: they can always mm-hmm. you know like forget that one happened. Kind of you know like how they did with other franchises. There was,
0: <laughs> there was also a Speed Two without Keanu Reeves.
2: Yeah, let's not talk about that. Wasn't that no. on a boat? Yeah, it was yeah, on a boat. Yeah. So like I I mean I think they're god what would I like to see them? let's look at this
0: um Dracula 2 Uh
2: always be <laughs> always be my maybe too how about that and it would be always me, be my baby or something like that um I would like Oh my god
1: if if like <laughs> yeah if they do it and like they're like if Sasha and Marcus are like married and then Keanu Reeves just keeps popping in as like a like a jealous ex with a vendetta like to their to their happiness i'm all for
2: that if keanu reeves is the villain and always be my maybe too that would be wonderful (laughs) yeah i think i kind of want to see more comedic stuff so whatever stuff he used to do i you know what you know how a lot of actors when they age up they start playing dads and so this is probably the first time i've seen him really be a dad Um, he was a pet
0: dad in john wick
2: yeah, but not as much. Like he was not physically he's, a dad much. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know? yeah. He
2: he was a he was an assassin, my <laughs> right. and a dog <laughs> owner second, and then a dad. So, um, I would like to see him in some dad roles. I think, um, where he he's still the star. I don't want him to be shunted to the background, but I would like to see him in daddy roles.
0: Yeah, he would be. I want I want to see yeah, him move yeah. into like the Tom Hanks roles of like single dad searching for love.
2: Hmm. oh my god i older.
0: want
1: him to combine these two talents i need more action comedies from keanu i feel like that's such a natural I, well, like, segue <laughs> um i don't know what the i mean this thing is keanu at this point should well like having keanu reeves will green light anything right like the concept doesn't even have to be that brilliant but why couldn't he be like a like 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 a Ryan Reynolds, but less annoying. Mm. <laughs> I find Ryan like Ryan Reynolds for I me is like definitely Ryan like Reynolds. verged over into like annoying territory. Like maybe a little overexposed, but you know a, something in that vein, but a little more sensitive. Because mm. I do think Keanu he he does have that inherent himbo energy, and I think so much action movies are like built upon a. Baseline of like toxic masculinity. <laughs> so, what would like a comedy, action comedy, without that like toxic masculinity look like with a himbo energy? That's what I want.
0: Mm. Himbo well, energy. that has been our. You know, this conversation has been like eighty percent Counter Reeves, twenty percent <laughs> Bill and Ted, but I'm okay with that. I love.
2: He
1: Keanu is Reaves, he is half so... of the equation
2: of Bill and Ted. Come on, <laughs>
1: yeah, that's fine. So it's like eighty percent and fifty percent of the like it's it's fine it's fine like math
0: <laughs> well bill and ted face the music is out now on streaming platforms everywhere for um rental um or you can buy it now too right
2: yeah I'm i actually sure. purchased it because uh even though it's cheaper for me to get at the drive-in i thought maybe i would watch it again
0: yeah or yeah yeah so catch it if you can um if you're a big fan of bill and ted it's definitely worth watching if you're a big fan of keanu reeves also worth watching but With that, that'll do it for this episode of Good Pop. Uh, Jess Han, thanks again for joining me to talk about the Good Pop that gets us through our days. Uh, If people want to find out more about your thoughts, uh, where can they go?
2: You can find me on Twitter at JessJudeTweets, And I am at Hanonymous.
0: You can find me at Marvin Yue. You can find the show at Good Pop Club and listen to our other episodes at goodpop.club. Um, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Check us out at podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for another week of Good Pop. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you all next time.